Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only potty on the Ringer Potty Network, doing this lazy and overly simplistic tribute to Liam Hendricks and his new contract with the Chicago White Sox. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Schusty, how are you? I'm great, Jake. And honestly, as much as I enjoy doing an Australian accent, like anyone does, you've, you, you, you did it for us. So I'm just going to save myself the embarrassment. Welcome to the show. We have news and you have Liam Hendricks and the White Sox to blame. Once again, Jake has the White Sox to blame for something that he is going to do on this podcast as the White Sox have signed Liam Hendricks. We're, of course, going to talk about that. We are going to reflect on our Greatest Pitch Ever podcast, which was a lot of fun uh, that came out last week. And Bobby Wagner, our wonderful producer, is back. He's back, folks. He was out for a week, but he's back, and he's going to tell you all about how much he loves Francisco Lindor, which he already was doing, but now he can because he's on his favorite team. So we have a lot to talk about, Jake, but we're obviously going to start down under, as you say. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right, Jordan. Yeah, I, I was just very uh, sure that Australians call them potties. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, again, I, I I hope if we have uh, any Australian listeners that they will stick with us through the yeah, rest of I this do? potty. How'd I do? <laughs> Let us know. Email baseballbarbecuepod yeah. at gmail.com. Uh, How offensive Mitz was my attempt at that accent? All right. Uh, Liam Hendricks, yes. probably the best Australian baseball player ever now. Wow. Okay. Well, I, that, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go with He's the best reliever in baseball, which conveniently MLB Network just did their top 10 relievers right now last night, which was great because I, I was picturing Jerry Reinsdorf just chilling, watching MLB Network. And he's like, that guy, he seems really good. We should Whoa, go. He's get a free him. agent. <laughs> what? He's not on a team. Oh, my goodness. Let's let's go get him. Uh, this is a big move uh, for a variety of reasons. Now, obviously, the White Sox have been one of the, what, four teams that have attempted to improve their baseball team this year, uh, this this winter, I should say. And this is a, a, a huge addition. Now, in general, paying relievers who, as, as has been pointed out about Liam Hendricks, who has been DFA'd four times in his career, 
quite volatile. <laughs> so all the people that are like, oh, he's been DFA'd four times. What a reclamation project. Yeah, it's true. I love Liam Hendricks. He's awesome right now. It's also every bit the reason that maybe he might just go back to okay. sucking. I don't know. Jordan, before we rain on the parade and oh, throw know, a cold, know. wet blanket over this fun news. I love which, this news. I love this news. I know. I know. I know. Let's just give people a taste of who Liam Hendricks is and why he is here where he is here now. So Liam Hendricks, my favorite Liam Hendricks thing is that his dad was basically like the Joe Nuxhall of Australian rules football and that he made his debut in Aussie rules football at the age of 16. He was like the youngest player to ever win the Aussie football you know, championship. And Liam Hendricks easily could have just followed in his dad's footsteps, but instead he became just like a beastly reliever. Yeah. Now, the the BC reliever, it, it, it took a while. Now, he signed with the Twins as an amateur back when he was 18, and the Twins have a long history of signing Australians. This is something that they they had all three active Australians, um, or I guess, two, sorry, two. They had, Leo, they had Lewis Thorpe, they had Aaron Whitefield, and then they used to have Liam Hendricks. And if you think, like, wait, wait, when did this happen? Like, if you maybe haven't been paying much attention to the A's the last couple of years, You'd be like, what? Well, when did Liam Hendricks become the best reliever in baseball? It has been kind of a slow process. As we mentioned, he was DFA'd four times. He was pretty good, you know, 16, 17, 18. And then it just, just like took off. As soon as Blake Trinan got bad, Liam Hendricks got amazing. <laughs> exactly. 2018 was like the year they lost to the Yankees in the wildcard game. And everyone was talking about their bullpen. And Liam Hendricks was the third guy on that team, on that bullpen behind Lou Trevino mm -hmm. and Blake Trinan. And then 2019, he's basically been one of the best relievers in baseball. How, you say? Well, he stopped throwing a sinker and started throwing a four-seamer at the top of the zone a lot more often. And he hides it really well. And he's super aggressive and accurate with the fastball. And people can't hit it. Good article this morning on MLB.com by David Adler about his pitch usage and how he uses fastballs early in the count. And then he uses fastballs and breaking stuff late in the count and it works super well and no one can touch him and yeah he's a super fun watch too on the mound super fun watch big yeller oh yeah oh yeah and uh white Sox fans are very familiar with that yell because as many people immediately pointed out Liam Hendricks ended the white Sox season in 2020 the game three catastrophe on many fronts for the Chicago White Sox against the Oakland A's in the wildcard series has seemingly provided a blueprint for their entire offseason. Everyone was talking, oh my God, Ricky Renteria, he can't manage the bullpen. Overcorrect, hire Tony LaRusso. Okay, we're not going to get into that there. But that was the start, right? And it was like, wow, clearly Ryan Storff was like, we got to get someone who knows what he's doing. Okay, great. Okay, they used like 50 pitchers in that game because they didn't have enough starters. All right, let's go get Lance Lynn. He will start one of these games if we need to be in a wild card series again. We'll have Lance Lynn. Okay, who struck out to end that game? Nomar Mazzara, who I'd still probably rather have than Adam Eaton, but they were like, no more Nomar Mazzara. Let's go get Adam Eaton. Great. And now, to cap it all off, the game three, you know, <laughs> to really finish up, they take the guy who struck out Mazzara and screamed and screamed and screamed, Liam Hendricks, and give him three years, four years, really, uh, and $54 million. It's really, it's really amazing. Now. 
some people might be like, oh, that's an overcorrection. But there are way worse ways to run your baseball team than to pick out the exact moment you lost and look at the flaws in that situation. You also failed to mention Dane Dunning, who didn't get out of the first inning, traded away true, in the deal true. for Lance Good Lynn. Good point. So I forgot about that. Yeah. It has a vibe where like an NBA team loses to LeBron and their whole offseason is, we got to find someone who can match up against LeBron in the fourth quarter. Right. right. And weirdly, this arguably makes more sense because just finding someone to guard LeBron, that's probably not the best strategy. Like that's LeBron's, probably not really how that works. <laughs> LeBron's probably still going to be better than you. Anyway, um, but so I, I, it's been fascinating to write. Right. Dead Dunning, I didn't even think. But but to your point, though, like this is this is an, an obvious upgrade. This is a bullpen that like was quietly pretty good. And, and Colome, who presumably will not be returning, he was great for them. But all these random dudes, Matt Foster, Evan Marshall, I know you've never heard of these people. Aaron Bummer, a little bit more notable. He's been great when he's been healthy. Uh, and then, of course, Garrett Crochet, not sure his injury uh, status, but if he's in the bullpen, it's, it is a very, very exciting group. And again, as I mentioned, they're one of the five teams that has actually clearly attempted to improve their team this winter. And uh, you got to respect them for it. There is a... Um a time and a place to buying a new fancy reliever for your bullpen and cashing in for that. I think there is the narrative that relievers equal volatile and therefore, you know, spending a lot of money on a reliever is an never a smart move. And I don't agree with that. I'd push back on that because if you're a team that's going to be in the postseason, pretty certainly, We've learned now, especially the way baseball functions in its current era, that having a reliever you can count on every time is so valuable. And even if you only get two good years of Liam Hendricks, if one of those two good years, he just turns into Andrew Miller 2016 in a postseason run, that's it. That's worth it. Worth right? It. Totally Immediately. agree. Totally agree. And finding a guy who can do that is very hard. And there's only a handful, probably 10 relievers on the planet who could even do it at all, right? And so rolling the dice with one of the dudes who could do that and who kind of did that for Oakland in that series, he was yeah. pitching a lot, a lot, a oh, lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I if, if I had to roll the dice on a reliever, the White Sox are in the right position to do that. And I think Liam Hendricks is the right guy to do that for. And listen, a lot of it is colored by the Rockies' disaster a few years ago, right? And the difference there was, now they did pay arguably the best one, which was Wade Davis, and that did not go so well. But it was really investing in like the middle to good relievers. You don't totally know what it is, and then those are catastrophes, Jake McGee and Brian Shaw. But like Liam Hendricks is clearly, at worst, the third best reliever in the league. And... That is right. You might as well go for it then. And it's also a difference. You talk about there's a time and a place to do this. If the Phillies had done this because they just had a historically terrible bullpen, I know some people projected oh, that would have made sense. Okay, even if Liam Hendricks was still good, they'd still be a barely even maybe postseason team. Maybe, 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 right? Whereas now it's like the White Sox, there should clearly be the favorites in the Central right now. And so adding the reliever is not going to so clearly, it's not going to sink their ability to continue to be a good team, but it also could put them over the top in a way that would not be the case with some other middle league teams. Right. And, you know, ninth inning, ALDS game against the Yankees. I trust Liam Hendricks to go get Aaron Judge out, right? Or break 
DJ LeMayhew's bat mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And I think that that is just an added peace of mind for an organization. So good for the White Sox. Hell yeah for Liam Hendricks. Yes. This also is great contract for Liam Hendricks. Great contract. Uh, again, if you don't need, it's essentially four years, $54 million. The dude's going to get $54 million one way or the other. And that's awesome because that's the fourth most any reliever has gotten in total money behind only Araldus Chapman, who, of course, <laughs> was always going to be getting the most money from the Yankees at the time when he was a free agent. Kenley Jansen and Mark Melanson, uh, the only three relievers who have gotten more total guaranteed money uh, than him. And again, when you compare him to the other biggest relief contracts ever, it's pretty amazing. Not a lot of most of those guys were getting saves for 10 years or were throwing 100 miles an hour and had been doing it for forever and were really famous and with high, big contract with big, you know, big market teams. For him to get this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and awesome. He's business, just a so. stocky Australian guy with fucking gumption. Yeah. Who started to throw really, really hard at the exact right time. So congrats to him. Congrats to the White Sox. They continue uh, to I'll do tip my cap to him. Yes. Tip that cap. Thanks for it's listening right. to this potty. <laughs> yes, this potty, uh, the Ringer Potty Network. All right. Jake, <laughs> since we last spoke in real time, I know we had our Lindor emergency pod last week, and we'll talk about that more at the end with Bobby, of course. But we have had a lot of news since... Uh, Since, I guess, last year, I should say, right? We have not spoken since last year, as people like to to say, and a lot has happened. Um, And so we wanted to run through some of those those items because, uh, you know, maybe maybe people people still want to hear what we have to say about them. So can we begin with the Chicago Cubs, the other team in Chicago? No, Chicago Dog Slander. Ooh, sorry. The Chicago Dogs, you're right. Uh, this is, uh, not as great vibes, uh, on the North side at the moment. Not, not quite the same, uh, kind of off season for the Cubs and yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a buddy in college, um, and whenever things were going good for him and in life and college and school, things were going bad for me and vice versa. And the postulate we had stated that like, if I was going good, whether it was on the mound or in my life or in the classroom, whatever things were going bad for him. Does that exist with the Cubs and the White Sox? Like, can they not exist at in an interesting way at the same time? We had like a little. This past season was like the overlap that right. didn't actually count As because passing each other, going in opposite directions. Right, it's true. It felt like this year we were building up to this great Cubs White Sox rivalry, um, and instead the Cubs are going in the opposite direction. Like, the White Sox are like, oh, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson driving south on Lakeshore Drive. Chris Bryant driving north. Anderson waving about to him as he goes passing by. Passing each other on escalators in the mall. Tim Anderson's like high-fiving Chris Bryant as he heads out of town. <laughs> um, and, and the White Sox continue to ascend. No, it's a good point. It does feel, feel a little bit strange that we're not getting them. But uh, the Cubs' uh, supposed fire sale that we sort of saw coming Weirdly began, I think somewhat surprisingly, with you, Darvish, to the Padres, uh, which is a move that we didn't really get to talk about that much. We're not, we're not going to go into it uh, in detail, but I think we just wanted to mention it here because it feels like the next Cubs move, whether that's Brian or Contreras, is very, very likely coming soon. Hopefully not before you listen to this podcast, but I wouldn't rule it out with our luck. Um, but general thoughts on, on Darvish being the first one to go. Uh, we know the Padres are awesome. We don't even have to talk about the Padres side. We're excited about that, but... Uh, for those who who didn't hear us talk about that, what do you think? Darvish being the first one to go makes sense from a PR perspective for the Cubs because he's the one that is, there's the least emotional attachment there, I think, for the fan base. 
I mean, I guess getting rid of Schwarber fits in that, but like, you know, Bryant, Rizzo, uh, Baez, Contreras, Hendricks, um, and I'm missing, I'm sure I'm missing someone well, else. Well, like, you know, Lester is is kind of a weird weird one. Maybe he'll be back. He's a free agent too, but yeah. Right, but you know, those are the dudes who won the World Series, you know, and it looks worse to trade. Like, trading away Bryant is as bad as it gets because he was the hero. He was at the top of the game. Trading away Darvish is... You, you really only had, like, one full year of him being, like, elite and a year and a half of him being a disaster before he kind of figured it out again. So I think there's less of an attachment there, maybe. Again, maybe not. You know, he's an incredibly fun human being and awesome pitcher to watch, and anytime your team loses that because they want to be cheap, like, that sucks. But it's not... I, I just think fewer Chicagoans on the north side like own Darvish jerseys than, you know, Bryant jerseys. Obviously. Sure. I mean, I think that's I think that's definitely true. Uh, but uh, at the same time, um, that doesn't mean it didn't hit them somewhat hard. And knowing how yeah. good Darvish was, Darvish was one of the clear bright spots of the 2020 season. So just coming off of what they just had, he was probably the best thing they had in 2020. And so in that way, it does kind of hurt. And so it's time, Jake, for us to bring in well, first, we're going to bring in Bobby Wagner. Hi, Bobby Wagner. What's up? Hold on. I just wanted to point out that I think you guys forgot to mention Jake Arrieta as someone that they let walk away as well, who was an important part of the 2016 team and also an important part of the 2015 team that overperformed ahead of time and brought the Cubs onto the scene. But more importantly, and more baseball barbecue, is that I went to Jake Arrieta's baseball reference page, and uh, it turns out he won the silver slugger for the pitcher in 2016. Huge loss to let him go. Huge <laughs> loss to let him go. He's going to let that bat walk I didn't even the know door. that they gave that award out for the pitcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Absolutely. It's a Granky special. But but also, uh, that's true. I mean, I Not did that... know that they gave it out, but I didn't know that it would be relevant enough to be listed on his baseball reference page. Just amazing year for him. Gotta All say, star, though, letting Jake Gary out of walk. Silver slugger. <laughs> Letting Jake Arrieta walk looking pretty looks pretty yeah, good. That, that's yeah, that's right. not a bad choice. Not a bad Although, choice. Hey, he's a free agent too. What if he they, they bring him like, hey, look, we got Jake Arrieta for like one year to three million. Woo! I love the idea of the Cubs just rolling back the 2016 rotation. Bring Lester back. Yeah. Just, just throw, throw on your sports radio voice and just be like, get the dudes that need to that that wore the threads before. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Hey, very possible. Now the White Sox brought back Larusa. If I'm the Cubs. <laughs> I'm getting Arietta back in here. It's yeah, got to feel right. Bring Tony Campana back. Uh, we are going to uh, bring back, speaking of bringing stuff back, it's time for another edition of Sorry for Your Mentions. Now, Jake, we have not done this in quite a while, but we figured it was time in the offseason to do this because this was really the first trade. I think even more so than the Blake Snell one, and maybe this is just a reality that the Cubs have two and a half million Twitter followers as, as opposed to the Rays uh, or Cleveland. Uh, which we're not going to do because those are too sad. But the Cubs too sad. Really literally too sad. This whole yeah. segment, by the way, I just want to hammer this home. This is really puts into perspective how sad the Lindor trade is. This whole segment is about us dunking on fan bases, essentially. It is laughing at not the pain, but like the frustration and anger and passion that people feel about, you know, when their teams do something stupid. And there was just something too bummery yeah. about Cleveland trading Lindor away. We didn't want to include that. We, it, it was it was too say it's not the same thing. And again, Cubs did won the World Series recently, so it's fine. I, I feel less bad about this. So while Cubs fans, we feel your pain somewhat. Sorry for your mentions at Cubs. Let's begin with a tweet responding to the announcement that they have acquired 
four teenagers, three of which have never played a professional game in exchange for you, Darvish and Victor Caratini, another big part of the Cubs that I know people were, were really like uh, big fans of. Now, they tweeted this uh, on December 29th at uh, 10 p.m. Chicago time. So, you know, people were not happy about the <laughs> timing of announcing this news release. Uh, but let's just go ahead and, and take a look into the replies. We begin with a gentleman who says, dog shit. But Zach Davies can be better than you, Darvish. Mm. I like this because he's clearly mad. But kind of a rational take here is that Dar Davies has been pretty solid. <laughs> but here's the thing. Okay, if you think Davies could be better than Darvish, then it's not dog shit. It's not. It's a Then you just got deal. four <laughs> prospects for Victor Caratini. Yeah, which I mean, that's that's a that's an obvious uh, obvious win. Uh, we have a another uh, gentleman. Here, I love this one. This is from an account at Pirates Talk saying, Poverty franchise, my team would never. I mean, that's mm. just good trolling. That's you, you love to that's see true. That from, from Pirates, <laughs> Pirates would, fan. Pirates uh, would never trade a frontline starter away. No, they would never do that. Uh, here's a gentleman saying, Sorry about the mentions coming your way at Cubs. Be well. Very understanding of the, you know, the, that's 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 we need more of that. I, I like to think they were listening to, to the segment. Yeah. And they, they understand the difference. Um, again, and listen, forget the mentions. I mean, we got 400 quote tweets of people just absolutely uh, furious. Um, we've got we've got amazing clips of LeBron saying, what the fuck? We've got people <laughs> saying we've got, you know, uh, people just, you know, really not happy uh, with Mr. Ricketts. Uh, garbage trade, sell the team, sell the team. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, thought you could slip this tweet by us because it's 10 p.m. Yeah, well, you think you're just not going to notice. This is so bad. You should be ashamed. Uh, I hate Ricketts and Hoyer. And really, the 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 the, the true uh, conclusion here, Theo Epstein, you nailed your timing, my friend. Elite exit. Now, some of this is probably your fault too, but he really did uh, get out at the right time. So sorry, Jed. No one's here. No one's mad at Theo in these replies. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Some of it's his fault. Theo finagling his legacy in a very interesting way. Uh, and to the person saying, join the Pirates at the bottom of the division, you got a long way to go before you get down there. All right, Jake, uh, let's move on to some Cubs adjacent news, which is that Kyle Schwarber, a Cubs legend himself, will not be returning to the north side. In fact, he will be leaving for a price that the Cubs could have had him at even cheaper, $10 million to the Washington Nationals for a single year. Perhaps, actually, I think there's an option as well. But Kyle Schwarber's on the Nationals, and I love this because if you heard me say this a few weeks ago, I think the Nats should be trying to get better, even if they're kind of a stars and scrubs team. And uh, I think Kyle is a pretty good place to, to start, or I guess second place after Josh Bell. The um, First of all, shouts to Kyle Schwarber. The uh, 2016, when his leg exploded and then he made it back to the World Series with the Cubs, was truly, it was like baseball Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl. I remember one of my most vivid uh, memories from that whole like week leading up to it was like these reports about him in Arizona, like taking batting practice. And it was like, like there was like Schwarber is working out against, I don't know who he was taking BP against in late September in Arizona, but I mean, whoever was thrown to him, thank you because you gave us an amazing moment. He played in the fall league for like a handful of games oh, in 2016 in Arizona. The Cubs were like 
he played the same night that they won game six of the NLCS against the Dodgers and then was added to the roster for the World oh. Series in place of Rob Zestrisny. So oh. pretty incredible moment. I, I just think that like at that time, it felt like we were witnessing the origin story of baseball's next iconic slugger. And it never totally clicked in Chicago. He was always swinging and missing too much and he just didn't hit for enough power, enough average to make it all, all the bad defense totally worth it. And that's why I ended up, you know, getting non-tendered in addition to the Cubs being kind of silly. Um, but now he's here on the Nats and like the Nats just to have a lot of large people. Yeah. I mean, the the defense uh, could continue to be an issue, but I just, I still, when your defense already sucks too, I feel like it's maybe easier to be like, ah, what's another Kyle Schwarber uh, in the outfield? But as far as one Scherzer through- and Strasburg are striking everyone out anyway, and Corbin, <laughs> exactly. like <laughs> exactly, who cares? And Victor Robles will he'll 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 take care of most of the most of the work uh, in the outfield. Um, but I just I just feel like as far as one through four, I'm not saying it's the best in the league, obviously, but because Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber are flawed. But in terms of tuning in. I'm tuning in for Turner Soto Schwarber pretty much every time through the order. Like that is a very, very watchable, very, very fun lineup. Uh, And Schwarber said it himself. He's excited to be on a team that has a guy like Soto who he already called the best hitter on earth. I loved hearing that from Schwarber. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool mix. And and of course he and Bell are familiar with each other in the NL central. And I just, listen, they're still hardly uh, as a completed team as the Mets or the Braves, but they have enough to make things interesting. And um, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to what this lineup can do. I think it is incredibly indicative. The Kyle Schwarber quotes about picking Juan Soto's brain about hitting. That is all I need to know about Juan Soto is that Kyle Schwarber who has been in the league for a half a decade now and has 120 career home runs and has a World Series ring is like, let me talk to this child about hitting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's right, though. You could probably probably use that. Um, so I, I, I like this move uh, regardless of what it means. And hey, maybe they end up with the DH and the NL and it's not nearly as bad as you think. Um, I still think that's a possibility, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's good, and I think the Nats probably still have one more addition in them. We will see what that uh, what that actually looks like. So good for Kashwarber and good for the Nats. Uh, Jake, let's move uh, okay away from the Cubs here. Let's let's go to to another direction to a thing that did not happen, perhaps a mm. product of this slow, boring offseason that we've had, and that is a, a gentleman by the name of Tomoyuki Sagano who has been one of the best pitchers in NPB in Japan for the last few years, two-time Central League MVP, got posted by the Omiuri Giants, and by all accounts was probably the second best pitcher available, starting pitcher available on the market behind Trevor Bauer in kind of this weird tier of his own with Tanaka, who we'll get to in a second. And he couldn't reach a deal within his his 30-day posting window and will be returning to Japan. And this is not something we have really seen very often with the huge names in Japan getting posted because it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to get ideas. Some major league team is going to want to give them more money than Japan can offer him. And that was not the case here. And that was disappointing because we always love seeing new players in MLB. And also because it's a sign that if he thinks he can still get more more money in Japan, that's that's not a great look for the uh, MLB market. Yes to all of that. 
it's to me it is another example that the window of operating time in MLB no longer matches up with the KBO with the NPB and though those teams in the Pacific Rim are doing their off-season business earlier part of that is because their spring training starts a little bit earlier than it does for MLB and so they want to get their you know ducks in a row and they just want to know what their teams are going to be because that's just rational team building right, <laughs> right. and so if that 30-day posting window had been 30 days in February, there's a pretty good chance that Sugano gets the deal, right? But it's just as simple as MLB teams right now, for a multitude of reasons, are just not ready or willing to pay for players. They don't want those, like at least at this, like Springer's going to get signed, Bauer's going to get signed. They're all going to get the deals. And if Sugano had just, if that if he had showed up like after all that, he probably would have gotten a deal too. And we saw this with Mel Rojas Jr., where he had a deal on the table from Japan, you know, KBO MVP, and it was either decline the deal from Japan and risk rolling the dice with an MLB team or taking the safe option and taking the money and playing Japan. And he did the latter. And that's definitely the move. And this is all to say that this is a bad thing because, as you mentioned, fewer white Kyles from Texas and more players from around the baseball greater baseball universe is better for the game. It's a more interesting watch and anything that denies us and the game of that is bad. And this yeah. is that. Yeah. Um, uh, right. Let alone the, the economic, uh, what it means just for the market and why it's, it has gotten us into the situation. So yeah, it's frustrating. And, and there are reports recently about, he's saying, yeah, we, you know, we had offers from like six teams and it just never quite got to the number I was looking for. And I believe if Sugano has basically said, if I had another couple of weeks, like I probably would have been able to do it. But I, it's just it's just does not line up. Um, and that's shitty. And with pitchers, you never know. I mean, I think the way his contract with with Yomiori now, he has opt outs after every season. So hopefully he can stay good, stay healthy, get an offer, come over next year. But it's just not that easy and it's not that simple. And, and now, you know, related to this, there have been reports that Tanaka, if he doesn't get what he wants here, he might just go back to Japan and play for play for the Golden Eagles, who he used to play for uh, before he came to MLB. And while that would be extremely cool for Tanaka in some ways, because he would be the biggest deal in the world there. Oh my God, it would be crazy. That would suck. Why are we losing Tanaka? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, Yankees, is the, we talk about LeMayu, but like, the, Tanaka's been as steady, as steady as it gets. And I know, I'm sure people are still scared of his elbow, but at this point, I'm pretty sure he's just a robot. Uh, and I would, I would want to knock on my team. So if we lose Tanaka too, I mean, that would really suck. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's frustrating and it's a weird part of it. I thought that like, well, this is an actual deadline you're putting on a major league team. So if they want the good baseball player, then they have to abide by the deadline, which they don't have for the major league free agents. And yet they're like, no, we just won't do it. Like, they just took a zero on the homework assignment instead of <laughs> rushing much. to turn it in. Pretty much, pretty much, which is uh, uh, shitty to watch. All right, uh, one more thing we want to get to uh, before we send you to break is another Japan-related news. If you saw this transaction over the weekend, you might be, oh, oh well, that Rusny Castillo, I remember that name. He was just a big Red Sox signing, right? What, what? Oh, he's going to play in Japan? Oh, okay, that, that makes sense. He sounds like, you know, kind of the busted prospect. Now he's over 30, and he's just going to go play in Japan. Okay, 
whatever. I'm sure a lot of people saw that news and like, oh, of course. Okay. But this story is far, far, far more complicated than that. Um, especially be when you consider that this man has already made over $70 million in his brief major league career. So why would he be going over to Japan to play? Well, obviously he just wants to play major league baseball or wants to play baseball at a high level. So tell us about how Ruzi Castillo got here. Ruzi Castillo kind of towards the tail end of the early 2010s Cuban, uh, player kind of bubble in a way. Where, you know, obviously, Yoannis, Puig, Chapman was kind of the first one. Um, Dion Vicieto, mm-hmm. right? All of these guys were coming over from Cuba and getting paid. Solaire, they were getting big deals. And a lot of them worked. Like, a lot of them ended up being good. And the players ended up being really good. Uh, and Rusny actually got the most money out of any of those guys. The Red Sox gave him a seven-year, $72 million contract. But here's the thing. He comes up. He's like, okay, doesn't play a lot. 2015, he like plays most of the season in Boston. And he's like, fine. He gets sent to AAA for 2016, comes up a little bit, whatever. Then he gets put on waivers and outrighted off of the 40-man to AAA Pawtucket. And he then kind of falls for the next four years in a very bizarre financial loophole, Jordan. Yeah, and this is a situation that is pretty much, I I don't think there's really any precedent for this, which is basically a player who is not good enough by the standards of the Red Sox, who of course were then building towards another World Series, to be on the Major League team. And that's the reason why it is especially important for them to not have on the Major League team is because he was making $11 million. And the Red Sox, as we have come to know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> take their luxury tax very seriously. But, at this, point in time, but at this point yeah. in time, it, it, it is easy to say Red Sox are, were being cheap, but at the same time, he was not good enough to be on the 2018 Red Sox that won the World Series, right? right? He was almost certainly good enough to be like the left fielder for the Royals at the time. Mm-hmm. However, any team that wanted to pick him up needed to pick up his contract, right? Which was way bigger than what it really needed to be, which again is not his fault, good for him, good for his agent. So what ended up happening is he spent three full seasons in AAA in Pawtucket for the Red Sox. And if they had called him up, they would have had to pay the remainder of all the money on his contract. Any team that added him would have had to pay the remainder on his contract. And he just, just chilled. And it wasn't it, but it wasn't just the, his contract. It was the fact that because this was before the Red Sox got under the luxury tax and traded Mookie and you know alienated all their fans. This is when they were already had you know one of the highest payrolls in baseball. And so having Rusney on your team to be your fifth outfielder was also adding not just his eleven million dollars, but like a twenty percent overage tax on top of their luxury tax payroll that they had. And so, so the Red Sox, to be clear, the Red Sox paid the totality of the contract to Rusney. He yeah. got all of that money. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. but if the Red Sox had called him up, that money would have counted against their luxury tax. Even more. It would have cl- even it more. basically cost even more than what his actual contract is. And so what that meant is because he was too good, uh clearly too good. He was too handsomely paid to be in the majors, but not good enough to be worth spending a way, way, way more than what he was valued. He was stuck. 
And there's really nothing like this because there are no other players in the minors that are making that much money. And so he had been stuck in AAA for the last few years and never made it back to the majors. He would go to spring training, major league spring training, and crush it for three straight years. And they would send him back down and he would play the whole year in Pawtucket. And pretty good. It's, it'd be pretty good. And it'd be like, he never oh, well, played stellarly enough to like force the issue, but he was always solid and always steady and always good. Right. He lived the whole time at the house he bought in Boston and drove an hour every day to Pawtucket to play for the AAA team. Now, I don't, f- it's hard to feel bad for someone who just got paid $72 million, right? But I, I kind of do, and I obviously kind of don't, but I kind of do. And everything that I've you know heard about him talking to people is like, great dude, great teammate, like didn't whine, went about it professionally in a situation where he could have been as whiny as a vineyard and it would have been completely warranted, right? Yeah. And yeah. he just didn't do that. I, I don't know. It, it is just such a unique, bizarre baseball story. And, you know, he could have just been on a bad team playing in the big leagues every day. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and instead it, he's, he was stuck and it was not a part of, of course, the 2018 uh, world series team. And even as they sucked this past year, he was not anywhere near uh, the, the major league Boston Red Sox, obviously this year as they were trying to get even more cheap. Um, so yeah, but like if was, you look at the numbers between him and Jorge Soler, okay. Soler was as bad, if not worse than Castillo. Granted, he was a bit younger, but like he was not that he was a basically a similar major league level player. And he just continued to play in Chicago because there was no luxury tax games and it didn't, you know, it was easier to move him than it was to move Castillo. He goes to Kansas City, gets a shot, has a breakout 2019, right? Mm -hmm. And like maybe that never happens with Castillo. But maybe it does. And he never got the chance to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, if you want to know the full story, Stephanie Epstein wrote a great piece uh, for SI back in 2019, uh, which we tweeted out a few days ago. It's, I mean, it's it's really crazy. And, and she has a great line in there where she basically says, like, you know, the dream when you leave Cuba to play baseball is, is to make it in the majors and strike it rich. And the irony was that because he struck it rich, he couldn't play in the majors. <laughs> and that is the weirdest, weirdest uh, situation. But good luck to Rusney as he goes to Japan. Um, again, the money doesn't matter. Who cares what he's, he's already made 72 million, but clearly the dude wants to keep playing baseball. And uh, now that he's off that contract, hey, maybe he goes, crushes it over there. Maybe somehow he makes it back here. And uh, and plays major league baseball again. That would be really cool if he does. Oh, if, if dude, he does. imagine would... he goes to Japan. He's fucking good. He signs with the Blue Jays for 2022 and takes it to the Red Sox. Oh my god, uh, mm. that's what we're rooting for. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's our hot stove, cold stove, warm stove roundup. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be back with some reflections on our greatest pitch of all time podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. 
It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right, we're back here on Baseball Barbecue. And if you've been subscribed following this feed, you know that uh, last week we released probably one of our more ambitious podcast uh, efforts <laughs> that we've done here in the history of Baseball Barbecue. And we could not have done it without our good friend and producer, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, uh, welcome into the show. Hello. Hello. I already interrupted to talk about Jake Arrieta's oh, Silver true. Slugger, which is very important to me. Yeah, but that, that hello again. Wild. Yeah, it was. Uh, but uh, we're not going to be talking about silver sluggers. We're going to be talking about the greatest pitch of all time. What is and the just... greatest season that a pitcher has had while winning the silver slugger? Next week <laughs> that, on Baseball Barbecue. That will be next week's episode. Uh, but we wanted to just take a little bit of time to reflect on this episode, um, kind of give a, a little bit of additional thought to how we think it went, um, because we got a lot of great feedback and, and we wanted to, again, would love to still hear from you if you have not listened to the episode yet. Uh, we did a whole podcast trying to answer the question, what is the greatest single pitch of all time? A pitcher's pitch, individual pitcher's pitch. And um, I wanted to just, you know, talk a little bit about uh, the biggest omissions. I know we got some flack for some big yeah, names that this, we left This is off. our 10 minute mea culpa to people who worship at the sure. altar of Nolan Ryan's fastball. <laughs> right. And I don't think we necessarily owe it, but I do. Listen, there were some names that I did more, even more than Nolan Ryan that I did regret not including. So, uh, Jake, I guess we can start with you. What, what were your your biggest regrets, if any, uh, in terms of things that we did not include in our greatest pitch ever pod? Sandy Koufax curveball. Yeah. Number one. 
Uh, I talked on the pod about how I thought Bob Gibson was the first modern pitcher. I actually now think that's Sandy Koufax for a variety of reasons. And as as Jews, you know, that's a huge that's misstep. Yeah. Like my my parent, my mom listened to the pod and was like, "What the hell? Like, where's Sandy Koufax?" Right? And like the fact that I was able to should we disappoint- call your mom right now and have her do this mea culpa? <laughs> that's so funny. The idea that I disappointed my mom with a best mm. pitch podcast is as Jewy as it gets because That's I left true. out Sandy Koufax. Yeah, so no, I agree. Koufax. And is we a also big left one. out Scott Feldman, which was also tough. Yeah, we did. We left <laughs> Scott and Scott Schoenweiss. We left out. Yeah, yeah, but uh, those were a little bit more understandable. Sandy probably both in yeah. relation to the conversation about Gibson and the fact that his curveball was the Cooperstown curve before Clayton Kershaw. Right. Um, I agree. I agree. I think that's a big one. And then Nolan Ryan, obviously, on that list. Roger Clemens, we didn't talk about. But it is important to point out that, like, we didn't bring them up and neither did our guests. Here we right? go. This is what I want to talk about, guys. Go yes. ahead, Bobby. Go, Bobby. It wasn't baseball barbecue lists the 12 greatest pitches of all time. It was we just asked friends of the pod randomly and they come with their answer. They could say anything. Fucking... AJ Burnett came up, and you know who didn't come up? Nolan Ryan. All right, right. That's right. all I have to say for everybody who's mad in the mentions. Just, just take it down a notch. Just take it down a notch. Baseball fans need to chill out. We understand everybody cares about history. We understand Nolan Ryan threw really hard. Walter Johnson clocked at 150 miles an hour, according to some people in different mentions. But cool it. Jake, I, would, I don't think Jake would get a hit off Walter Johnson. That is one thing that I think that we could maybe <laughs> quibble with a little bit. But other than that, okay. Um, okay. I I agree. I think for me, definitely not having a Kofax and, and still Nolan Ryan. I mean, I do agree. It was a little bit weird to just like, but but I mean, listen. Bobby's point is is first and foremost. We went with where our guest took us, and there's you can't blame us for that. It's called journalism, we were, brother. That's called journalism. We're not going to insert our own uh, our own answers until the very end. Journalism, um, brother. <laughs> but not you know skipping past and not having. I know Maddox. And his two seam came up, although we think that's a different conversation. We think it's more of you know the command stuff. Um, I think something that uh, could have been maybe good would be if if we had a finalist for each pitch, like we had every pitch represented. Like we didn't have a curveball in the last conversation. Now again, we were up to what our guests came up with. But if we were being more comprehensive, maybe we would have had you know Dwight Gooden's curveball in there, Sandy Koufax's curveball in there, like. Something like that. So I think that that could have been good too. But does it in general, does it count that at the time yeah. people thought Bob Gibson's slider was a curveball? Like the announcers were calling it curveball yes, in in games point. of the World Series. Like they just didn't. Mm. Slider wasn't really part of the lexicon True. quite as we, much we as could, it is so, now. Right. Versus just they like weren't like what up, what is ball. the movement on the horizontal axis? Yeah. Like they were just like that, that thing curved. <laughs> that those that sentence did not exist uh, in yeah. 1968, uh, which makes sense. So yeah, not having. Not having Clemens and honestly not even talking about just the guys now like Verlander and like, I mean, when I watched DeGrom, I'm like, there's no way anyone's ever thrown anything better than anything that he's throwing right now. <laughs> so <Right>. <laughs> uh, that is uh, that is a little bit tough. My last question uh, for you two with regards to this is any regrets on your answers uh, after our uh, after we, we got some feedback? Have you had any second thoughts about our final answers? Me and Bobby went with Randy Johnson's fastball. Jake. Pedro Martinez's change of any wavering since we put this podcast out into the world? No. Bobby? I, I've wavered like 175 times. Like I, <laughs> okay. in the moment when I was saying Randy Johnson, like I didn't 
know if I was going to say slider or fastball after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that also, was, yeah, listening, when you listen back to hear people talk about Pedro, it makes you regret a little bit not being the person to choose Pedro just because of who Pedro is and how charismatic and tantalizing he is as a pitcher and how, like Jake said, when he was giving his justification, he's dominating at the height of the steroid era at six feet tall and he's talking shit to boot. Like, it is it is very cool. Like, a Pedro is the objectively cooler answer, but I think that Randy Johnson is the right answer. Yeah. I will say, or Jake, go ahead. You want to gloat for a little bit for for that? You look, you no. look pretty happy with. with well, no, it's I fine. Mean, I, I I hear I hear Bobby's point. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Randy Johnson was the most boring six ten lefty throwing ninety nine <laughs> ever, right? That's I true. Mean, he was also the most superlatives. Exciting. Superlatives. He was the Derek Jeter of throwing a hundred from the left side. Really? While no panache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no. He, this is the, this is like in Breaking Bad. When uh, they drop the ATM machine, the ATM machine falls in the person's head and everyone on the streets think that like Jesse did it. Yeah. Right. This is like when Randy Johnson killed the bird. Like Randy Johnson was probably like a super nice guy. And the second he killed the bird, everyone was just like terrified of him forever. Right. I would say they were terrified of him for pretty much the 15 years leading up to that. But I will say that Bobby's point about Pedro is is correct. And my favorite part of the podcast was Clint Yates comparing yeah. him to Commando. I think that was amazing. Yeah. But well, I will say, I to, to your point, sticking on Randy Johnson, there was a, a couple hours after we put the pot out where I was like, the slider is probably more correct than the fastball. <laughs> I will admit that. But I'm glad I stuck with the fastball. And... Um, I still feel pretty good about it. So, but I just wanted to uh, admit that I wanted about to be vulnerable e- there. <laughs> us talking about each other's answers and like being like, "Ooh, maybe it was Pedro. Ooh, maybe it was Randy Johnson," and just like making the case for each other is very like, "No, nah, I'm trying to get like you, bro." Energy, like we're just like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm trying yeah, to get like you, bro." It, like you're 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 doing great, bro. Yeah, but hey, we know one thing: the answer is not Mariano Rivera's cutter. Absolutely uh, not. Okay. Um, with that, uh, let us move on to not the a final. bat missed. Not a bat not, missed. No, no, come on. Zero career strikeouts. Yeah. Also, that montage was amazing. The funniest part, all credit to your voiceover, is the Trevor Plouffe line. I don't really understand it. <laughs> oh, that killed me. All right. Anyway, uh, Bobby. Well, props to Jake. <laughs> What's that noise? Is that Jake continuing to roast uh, Mariano Mets, Rivera? Metscon! Oh, oh, it's Metscon time. Oh, okay. The I, moment I you've all been waiting for. Bobby Wagner, the Mets fan, you and Jerry Seinfeld, and Benny Agbayani it's, it's are in a group us text. Three. It's just us three in the group text. And, I didn't include uh, you guys. Not in it. You, uh, Jeff Wilpon used to be in it, but he has since been kicked out of the group text. No, he left himself. Um, he left himself. <laughs> Jeff Wilpon has exited the chat, exited the Zoom. Yes. Uh, Bobby, the New York Metropolitans swung a deal for Francisco fucking Lindor. He's now on your favorite team. How are we feeling? How are you? I'm feeling? like, I'm like welling up again thinking about it. Like, so I'll take everybody through it. So I'm I'm glad that you guys did a podcast last week. I'm glad that you guys did an instant reaction because obviously this is massive, massive news, like Mookie Betts level news, and unfortunately. 
it just so happened that the, that the Mets decided to trade Francisco Lindor while I was out for the week on vacation while driving back to Los Angeles. I believe that I've mentioned that I was on the East Coast, but if not, I was on the East Coast spending some time with family. So I'm almost back to Los Angeles, mere hours away. I'm in the Mojave Desert, just driving straight. I'm not operating the motor vehicle at this time, which is fortunate because I, I don't know what would have happened. It would have just been in, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Francisco, the, take the wheel. <laughs> the only thing hotter than the stove was the Mojave. Exactly. Although it's winter, so not really, but I, I appreciate the uh, the bit. And I'm just scrolling Twitter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading about news around the world in Washington, D.C. There's, there's a coup? Yes. And I'm reading about that. And obviously, I have Twitter notifications for Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, the shams and woge of baseball Twitter. And I see a tweet come across the top because it's already in the Twitter app. <laughs> I see a tweet come across the top. And it's like, the New York Mets deep in talks. And I start feeling my heart fluttering, start feeling it fluttering. And I click it. Oh, did it cut off after the New it York cut Mets off before it said <laughs> it cut off before I even saw the name and I click it and it pops up on the screen and I feel like I've entered an alternate reality. Like I feel like I had already accidentally swerved off the road in the Mojave Desert and I was like three days into like a fever dream of dehydration <laughs> while I'm walking through trying to find civilization. And and then it materializes so fast. After like 20 minutes later, it's like the deal is finalized. And I'm like, what is going on? And thank God for that. Because I took over driving about an hour later. I was sharing the driving with my wonderful girlfriend, Phoebe. What a, what a guy. What a guy Bobby is. And I took over driving an hour later. And the deal was already done. If the deal was up in the air while I was still driving the car, I don't know what would have happened. I think we might have just had to hang out at the Mojave Desert Shell right over the California-Arizona border until my man Steve Cohen could get the deal done. And get Francisco. Bobby, this Lindor. is like fear and loathing in Las Vegas to <laughs> Francisco Lindor. I was somewhere between Baker and Boston driving through the heat. You guys are like texting me furiously. They're like, we're going to do a pod. Like, are you able to join the pod? I'm like, no, like literally no. What am I going to do? Call in from the desert? No, I don't think I have good enough cell service for that. And this is all while I'm like trying to fill up my gas tank while trying to get back to Los Angeles. So I, <laughs> nice work by you guys. I listened to the pod. Sounded great. Obviously, well, you did the baseball breakdown. And this is the emotional breakdown from, yeah, from no, the fans Yeah, no, you're painting version. a good picture of it, too. So I'm glad. Like, like you, you are doing it justice. Um, now, you were in the car and your girlfriend was driving. Um, did you start yelling? Like, yes. was it just like start sweating, panicking? Mm. Like, I want to She was know. actually kind of mad at me for for yelling like as if there was like a hazard on the road or something, right. something like that. But which, yeah. yeah immediately start, immediately start being like, what, 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 what's going on? <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm yelling. And then I start to, you know, feel the tears well up a little bit because yeah. honestly speaking guys, and I know this is going to sound kind of psychotic, but honestly no, that's speaking, that's why we're doing this right now. This is the greatest moment in my Mets fandom. And it's not yep. even close. It's not even close. It's better than when they went to the World Series. It's better than when they won the 20, 2015 NLCS. It's better when they hit home runs to beat Clayton Kershaw in the 2015 NLDS in the first playoff game that I had seen them play in almost 10 years. It's better than all of that because, one, as you guys know, they went on to lose the World Series. And two, oh, shit. it's my favorite baseball player getting traded to my favorite baseball team, and now I can just 
synergistically merge those interests and just freak out about it all of the time. It is. And also, okay. I kind of spoke it into existence on the pod for, you, over the last you five months. When any of those singular moments that you just mentioned happened, they were fleeting, right? They were like, they happened, they were great, and you think about them fondly. Like, you'll think about the Curtis Granderson home run forever, for sure. But when you find out Francisco Lindor is going to be on your favorite baseball team for extension, you know, probably going to happen, for like yeah. the next decade, you are guaranteed 10 years of joy coming from that. And Francisco Lindor is one of the very few unequivocally good baseball things, right? Where like he represents everything that you and we love about the sport. And now you get to watch him every day. I know. I know. It's either a bad or good beat for you guys because I'm just going to be texting you about him 100% of the days during the baseball season. Like, I'm going to be like, see see what he just did? You see what he just did? Well, I'll be watching the Mets. So it's only going to be annoying because we will have already seen it, right? So I have have one more thing to say because we don't need to belabor this too long. But I have one more thing to say about Steve Cohen, about the Mets, about MetsCon in general as a segment. Okay. Is it gone? It's not, it doesn't need to be gone, but it is under further review until if they signed him to extension, I feel like we might have to boot it out and just because you guys are going to be talking about the Mets so often that I, we don't need to have another segment called MetsCon. That I agree. Do you with. think that the health and safety of our nation is directly, uh, uh, like opposite proportionally to the health and safety of the New York Mets? It's possible. It's possible. The other thing that I will say is <laughs> I have been among the most skeptical. While excited, Steve Cohen Mets fan. While excited about Steve Cohen Mets fans, this is it. Like he did, he did it. Like within the first couple months, coming in and swinging this trade. Even if they do nothing else, even if they don't sign Springer, whatever. This type of trade is the type of thing that has only happened one other time in my life when they went and they actually signed Carlos Beltran, and the trade for Johan Santana. But. Getting a player like this in his prime right before he's about to get a massive extension is just the type of move they have never made. And for Steve Cohen to do a statement of purpose this early on in his ownership when he could have punted it one year down the road, he could have punted it two years down the road, and no one would have been able to say or do anything because he owns the team. He bought it for $3 billion or whatever. It's just it's just a massive boon. It's a massive boon. It's a huge moment for me. It's Bobby great. loves a rich guy. Who would it's, have thought? Uh, <laughs> I have always been extremely pro hedge fund billionaires. That is Everybody my that. that is my stance. Everybody Everyone's, knows that. It's been very obvious. If you follow at B Wags, there is nothing more clear than Bobby uh, loves the rich. All right, uh, Bobby, this is exactly what we needed to be. Thank you. I am just going to say that I agree that we will have to have a review as to whether MetsCon will remain, but it will not be dead because the thing is now the. The better the Mets get. Mets con is the friends we made along the way. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is the thing, Jordan. And Jordan is right. The higher the climb, the harder the fall. The the oh, fall. yeah. Yeah, and, this, and, it does have very um, end of uncut gems while watching myself winning the bet energy, you know? And I'm about to just, spoiler <laughs> but, alert, get blown away. Well, this is what I'm saying. Now, listen, I'm still... I'm, Whoa, I'm not what? I'm not saying... I'm not saying... Uh, I want. We're all rooting for the Mets at this point. And I want Bobby to be happy. Uh, but again, if they get that, say, go get Springer and Brad Hand now, everyone's like, oh, Mets World Series 
you know, favorites, whatever. Now we're heading towards a different kind of MetsCon. Yeah. Which I did we say to you guys in the future. I did say to you guys, I almost don't want them to make another massive move. Like I do, obviously. I'd rather have George Springer than not have George Springer. Sure. Because George Springer is great. But I almost don't want them to make another big splashy move because then that makes them the quote unquote favorites or whatever. Right, and everybody right, is right. T- putting this pressure on them. And I don't even get like a millisecond of being able to watch Francisco Lindor in a Mets jersey while they're not putting like insane World Series pressure on them. And yeah. I do think that there will be World Series pressure on them this year, but I don't think that there will be like World Series or bust from day one when Jacob deGrom takes the hill and the announcers are going to be like, is this a failure if they don't win 110 games? Like, I just don't want, I don't want that. That's not how I filter my lens of baseball appreciation. I want to root for the players and enjoy them as people. And by the way, the the Frankie press conference, I'm already calling him Frankie. He's my friend. (laughs) The Frankie press conference. What a guy. I mean, I know everybody knows this, but but what a guy! Yeah, and I, I him just saying saw, he wanted his daughter to grow up in New York made me cry all over again. And I just saw reports that he will be personally giving out the vaccine at City Field yeah. uh, when they open up in a few weeks. Frankie Lindor will be there twenty four seven, delivering vaccinations to Yankee fans and Mets fans alike. A um, smile because- beaming so brightly <laughs> that you can see it through his N ninety five mask. Exactly. Uh, that's it. Uh, Bobby Wagner, thank you for producing this podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I'm so happy for you, the baseball Mets fan. Thank you, guys. Um, it is great. Uh, thank you, Jake, uh, for joining me on this podcast experience. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, if you want us to talk Bring about the Australian the, accent bag, <laughs> if you want us to talk about the Tatis extension that might happen, and eh, we'll talk about it when it happens. Uh, other than that, hopefully we get more news, but not before Bobby posts his podcast. Have a good week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Don't be a dummy. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the party. What's your phrase? What's your practice phrase? Okay, so my practice phrase Shrimp on the Bobby. No, no, no. McDonald's. Mac McDonald's. Mcdonald's. But I watched a bunch of Australian cycling this morning to get prepped. And then I found this app <laughs> specifically that online Ooh. that you can type in a phrase and it like spells it out in an Australian accent for you. Oh, nice. So like Is- is look at this. Is Australia is Australian cycling like do they have guys? They're good. Yeah, they're very they're they're good. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.